It's Mailbag Friday here in Locked On Braves. We've got a lot of questions to talk to. Rest versus Rust down the stretch. Where should Michael Harris sit? What's going on with Austin Riley? What should we expect from him? And a whole lot more on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. Make sure you're subscribed over there to Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where you get the postcast with me and Grant McCauley. Make sure that you are subscribed here, obviously, at Locked On Braves, where I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. We're up over 6,700 subscribers, trying to get to 7,000 by the postseason. So you're watching this, you're not subscribed. I know one of you aren't subscribed out there. Make sure you hit that subscribe button for me. Hit the thumbs up button as well to help support the show and grow the Locked On Braves community here, which is growing and growing. And so thankful for all of your support. You absolutely have been killing it on the podcast here lately, whether audio or video form. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. I had so many of you on the last video. Let me know that you are everydayers. I got a long list of shout outs to run through here. We got Ann Batoski, Miguel Diaz, Deborah Quarles, Sid Factor, Stinky Pete's Sports. Always think of Sneaky Pete's Hot Dogs whenever I see that name. Jordan Davis says listens on the way to work every morning. I'd love to hear where you listen or when if you're in a routine of listening. Love to hear that as well. Joan Friends says she's new every day, a listener. James Morrison, Donnell Singleton, Marco from Sabata, Texas. Love hearing where you're from as well. If you add that in there. Navy Boy Fernando Quavu Shinley. Hopefully I got that name right. Josh Daniels and David Searles. So many of you let me know that you're an everydayer. If you are an everydayer, let me know down in the comments section below. Before we get into today's mailbag podcast, got to remind you this episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper picks, and you can win up to a 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, I don't want to waste any more time because we got a lot of questions to get to. You submitted a bunch. Maybe some I don't get to here. If not, I'll try to answer those off air. But a lot of questions to answer, so let's just jump into them. First couple come from Joey Milby. He says, okay, Jay, continue our minors education. Can you give us average age range for different levels? And also, when is a guy extremely young for a level? And when is it time to cut guys if they can't get past a certain level by a certain age? So a little bit of a loaded question here. I couldn't find an updated number on the average of players obviously they cut out the rookie level leagues not too long ago and so that has kind of lowered the average age at the lower levels but found an article from pretty good while back and it had the average age of low a at at 20 which i still think is pretty accurate high a 22 that might be a little bit lower now double a 23 and triple a 28 at triple a you got a wide range of you, know, you got prospects who are knocking on the door, but you also got journeymen who are trying to hang on and filling out that depth. So, got a that's why you got a, such a big age jump there. 
I would say when you're looking at the lower levels a lot of times and you're seeing teenagers, you know, you're seeing guys who are 18, 19, I, I think even really 20-year-olds at that low A level, that's still really young for that level. And so I think, you know, you're looking at those kind of guys and how they perform there at that age. You still want to take that a little bit with a grain of salt. If they're doing well, then obviously that is great. You're looking at a, a really top prospect who, uh, a hitter or a pitcher who's maybe developing quite rapidly. Um, and then I think you got Ethan Salas for the Padres over there. I think he's 17 and they just promoted him to double A. Maybe he's turning 18 here soon. I mean, that is just – those are leaps you don't typically see. So for the most part, if you're seeing teenagers at that low A, high A uh, level – then you're seeing somebody who's being promoted rather aggressively and somebody who is going to be pretty young for that level. Anybody, I think, you know, under 22 at the AA level, I think is really young for that level. As far as when to give up on guys, look, you need depth in the system. So I think a lot of these teams, you know, unless they're just blocking a big prospect in your system, I don't think teams are just willing to get rid of, of depth, but, uh, I think that's all on the individual basis. Sometimes, obviously, it is on the teams. They're going to let some of these guys go. But, uh, you know, it's a little bit more of a difficult conversation to have in as, as terms of when to, to cut guys. You love hearing the stories of these these journeymen. I mean, look at Forrest Wall. was once a, a top prospect. You know, never really could figure it out, battled it, and here he is. I mean, he's getting an opportunity. And so, you know, I think if those guys, they, they stick it out, they keep grinding, they get that opportunity. You love hearing those stories. Next question from Joey Milby says, looks like the Braves are going to get a bye. Do you think Snit and the team will do anything different that the, that week off before we start the playoffs? Large Lar with a similar question. He said, do you think they will give guys days off during the last week if the Braves have wrapped up the East and not number one seed? So um, will they do anything different between that time? I don't know. We talked about this last week as well. I don't know. I don't know what more you can do. And again, if anybody has the perfect answer out there, there are 30 teams that would love to have that answer. But, you know, other than just going out to the park every day, taking your reps and trying to keep your timing as much as possible, maybe you you bring up some prospects who maybe need some more innings and you take some live BP that way. So you're getting guys who can give max effort, give, you know, full effort, and you can still take swings against those guys because you obviously don't want to wear out your starting pitchers. One of the biggest keys there is to to keep them rested and healthy for the postseason. So uh, maybe you create an environment where you bring up some prospects and take some live BP to keep the, the timing. I think that's the biggest thing between that break is keeping the timing for the hitters. So I think any way you can do that with some sort of live situation, maybe taking just taking live batting practice. And again, maybe the team's already done that, but uh, again, I don't have a perfect answer there. And as far as taking time off down the stretch, if they don't have the number one seed wrapped up, I, I talked about this the other day as well. I don't think home field advantage is as big as an advantage as it might be keeping your guys rested and fresh. Again, I've said this as well. I, I think if you're going to give guys rest and time off, you do it that week before the final week. Again, if you have the division locked up and you'll have some of those Phillies games done by then, so – Again, they're up 13 and a half games or whatever it is now. Uh, hopefully they have it wrapped up by then, but I would maybe give guys a day off that week before and then that final week. Play them every day. Maybe you take them out later in the game, but uh, I want my guys getting you know as much to competitive reps as they can that final week going into that 
you know, those four days off that you have before the postseason begins. But it's tricky to navigate, but still I maintain I'd rather have that than have to go to a three-game wild card series where you know anything could happen in a three-game series and you don't get to line up your rotation. Cass Buckeyes is a 120 WRC plus below what we should ex- expect from Austin Riley, or is it fine so long as he continues to be a decent defensive third baseman? So I think a 120 WRC plus, which is what Riley's at right now, I think that is below what we should expect from Austin Riley. I mean, this is a guy who's your number three hitter. He's supposed to be one of your better bats in the lineup. And, you know, he's had a 136 and 142 WRC plus the last two seasons. I think 130 should be the floor for Austin Riley right now. He has not lived up to that this season. He's not been bad. I mean, 120 is still, you know, 20 points higher than average, but I think with what we should expect from Austin Riley, I think 130 is the floor for him. So I think he is playing below what we should expect this season. Yeah, the defense has been been solid over there at third base, still doesn't have the range, but again, he's going to make the plays, huge play the other night to help save the game. But this guy's in his prime. Uh, he's supposed to be you know, your number three hitter. It's really just all about the consistency and one thing that he has struggled with. And again, one thing that he said at the beginning of the season, he knows a problem with him is that he just hasn't had that consistency yet. He still loses it for pretty long stretches. So hopefully he does find that. I think he will. He's going to be a really good hitter for a long time here. But I think 120 WRC plus, I think that's below what we should be expecting from Austin Riley on a year-to-year basis. Bellfire says, Jake, this everydayer would like to formally apologize to Mr. Rosario and Mr. Ozuna for the doubt I cast upon their ability to prove value to this team. I was wrong, and I accept full responsibility for my wrongness. Well, thank you for that honesty. I can join you in that as well. I was ready to cut Ozuna. And maybe not so much for the on-field stuff as some of the off-field stuff in the past, but it looks like he has hopefully turned both of those around. Again, for me, hopefully more so the off-field stuff than anything that's been turned around, but certainly his on-field performance has been a huge turnaround. And Rosario, he's still kind of what I expected. Uh, You're going to see hot and cold stretches. When he's cold, he can be really, really bad. And when he's hot, he can be one of the best players on the planet and hitting out of his mind like he has been here lately. But um, but yes, thanks for your honesty there. Now, the question from Bellfire says, do you think once the postseason hits that Murphy will be the full-time catcher? I love Travis Darno, but I feel like catching every day will help with getting Murphy back to slugging like he was earlier in the season. I agree wholeheartedly, and I've said that all season, and I'm not going to say I'll be shocked if I'm wrong here, but I'd be a little surprised if Sean Murphy doesn't catch every game in the postseason. Maybe not every game. <clears throat> Maybe you give Darno a start in there somewhere. You pick a spot, but I would be a little surprised if Sean Murphy does not catch every game in the postseason. Just having him behind the plate, you know, and his arm and what he can do to stop a run game before it even begins is huge, especially in the postseason, giving up, you know, 90 feet like that. I- I'm sorry, but when Travis Darno's back there, teams are just more willing to run and maybe Murphy hasn't thrown out a lot of guys here lately, but that's also because guys just are more hesitant to go against him now. So again, I would be a little surprised if Sean Murphy doesn't catch pretty much every game in the postseason. Robert Mullis says ESPN lists the truest park capacity at 41,149 fans are on pace for a record number of sellouts. I have seen the sellout announced below at below capacity is 40,000. The number of needed to be a sellout, um, I do not know the answer to this. If you do, please 
uh, add that in the comment section below on YouTube. I looked at, according to Ticketmaster, 41,084 is the park's capacity. The regular season attendance record is 43,619. One article I read announced the sellout crowd of 4,743, which obviously wouldn't be the park's capacity. So I, I don't know what number uh, you technically have to hit for it to be a sellout. I, I don't know if they're counting people that came through the gate versus tickets of numbers sold. I, I just don't know enough about that side of things. So if you do, please share with us in the comment section below. I know one thing, Braves are selling a lot of tickets. They're getting a lot of fans in there. I know standing room only is why you can go over capacity. Uh, but again, I don't, I don't know the specifics of what is considered a sellout. So again, truest, they're not having problems bringing fans to the stand. It's over this past week where it was a million degrees, but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a really good run there at truest park with them filling up the ballpark all summer long. All right. A lot more questions to get to here. Uh, a wide variety of questions talking about Kyle Wright, Jesse's leg, Bryce Selder, uh, more about Riley as well. We'll talk, discuss all of that here next. If you're not using Sleeper yet for daily fantasy baseball or whatever daily fantasy sport you like to play, you certainly should be. Been telling you about them for a while. Sleeper is a fantasy sports plus real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. They quickly became the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world. I've been using them here. I started a Locked On Braves Fantasy Football League there, and I'm really enjoying it. The Sleeper app is so easy to use, and it keeps everybody connected. You can direct message people. You can have group chats with your, your league. It's just so user-friendly, and obviously they have the daily stuff as well where you can pick home run, you know, strikeouts, whatever it may be, and pick more or less on those categories. And if you hit them all, you could win a big. I mean, you want to 100 times your money on daily, daily fantasy baseball. Sleeper is now offering up to a 100-time payout for up to an eight-pick contest. So like I said, choose home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right to win big. Use promo code Locked On. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Braves will be back in action on a Friday at 10.15 p.m. Eastern. Get that coffee ready as they start their West Coast trip against the Giants. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. One thing I love to do as a kid, I still love to do it now, is I put in the headphones, I get into bed, listen to those West Coast games. So maybe that's you this next week or so with the Braves on the West Coast. Turn on your SiriusXM app on your phone. Put those, those AirPods in or whatever you got. Listen to the games as you fall asleep there or as you're in, laying in bed. All right, jumping back into the questions. Got several here from Sean Griffin. Said, I heard they found a micro fracture on Jesse's leg. How will this affect him coming back in time for the postseason? Kind of need that dad influence in the pen. So, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to a lot of us. I mean, we were all wondering what was taking Jesse so long. He ended up having that micro fracture yeah, I don't know what this does for him coming back. I'm sure it's going to take him a little bit longer. He's no spring chicken. Um, but, again, would love to have him back for that dad influence and just how good he was for the Braves at the start of the year. But I can't imagine that's going to be too comfortable coming back. You look at uh, you know, you look at Charlie Morton, which he had a, you know, a clear fracture uh, of his leg in the World Series, and I still, even coming back at the beginning of next year, still like it was taking him a while to kind of find his – 
his footing. So I'm a little concerned with what this means for Jesse coming back and how long it takes him to, to have full confidence in that leg. Another one from Sean says, how do you like the Braves all-stars doing the play-by-play? Um, who I am calling the Beatles at this point, that group uh, says, I loved it. And them dunking on each other, the throwback videos, the special guests, great to see BMAC as well. And the stories were great to hear. I agree. I love it. I maybe would get a little tired of it all the time, but you know, maybe four times, four or five times a year, sprinkled throughout the season, maybe once a month. Again, I know John Smoltz in particular has, you know, his national um, jobs that he has to do, but I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. Again, I love the stories, the, the video they clip they showed of, of Smoltz taking one uh, in the back. Uh, <laughs> that was a pretty hilarious. So, yeah, I do love them, you know, kind of ragging on each other. I thought it was a lot of fun having those guys in the booth. And the Braves are 2-0 and when those guys are in the booth. So I, I love that. I think it's fun. I also – I love hearing Chipper Jones talk hitting. I love John hearing John Smoltz talk pitching. So even when you get into the – you know, those aspects of the game where you're focusing on the game and not so much just the stories and them – ragging on each other i love hearing those two guys talk about their respective crafts uh sean griffin also says have you heard about <clears throat> robot umpires because these umps calling balls and strikes are so far off the plate mr magoo could do a better job at this point i think the challenge system is going to come next year uh, i would not be surprised at all if we see the challenge system next year i hope we do because I don't know if it's just the technology. I don't know if it's that little box on the TV screen that's throwing us off, but it just feels like umpires are getting worse and worse behind the plate. Again, maybe it's just the technology we have now that we can see that on our screens that we're noticing it more, but it just feels like they are so bad. So I hope the uh, the challenge system's coming next year. I don't know about a full robot system, uh, but I think at least the challenge system needs to come into play next year so uh, i think it is coming at some point whether it happens as soon as next year or not i'm not fully confident in but i would not be surprised at all if we see that by next year david huffman with ozuna success this year do you think it's possible the braves trade him over the offseason no i don't know <laughs> i don't know well we'll obviously discuss this more in the offseason i mean you would have asked me this at the beginning of the year that if Azuna came back and had a decent season to the Braves, you know, look to trade him in the offseason, I would have said absolutely. As much, you know, as the rumors that we've heard, which the Braves don't let out a lot of rumors, so I take some of that with a grain of salt, but some of the things we've heard about the deals where the Braves have basically just been trying everything to to get rid of Ozuna and couldn't, um, you know, including even a swap with Patrick Corbin and that terrible contract. But now, you know, going through the season, and it's not just the turnaround on the field, but it's how many guys in the clubhouse you've heard now talk about how much they that Ozuna has helped them and and how he's so good in the clubhouse. That's what kind of has me changing my thought here more than just the success. So I don't know. Um, and obviously he's changed some things at the plate. You can hear Brian Snicker say it in spring training training. You know, that that he liked what he was seeing from Ozuna and thought he was going to have a much better year, which everybody says that in spring training. But again, for me, it's more so the change in the the clubhouse because before all this and with all the off-field stuff going on, to me, it seemed like he was somewhat of a clubhouse cancer with all the distractions. He seemed kind of awkward in the, the dugout. Obviously, success changes a lot of things for, you know, right or wrong. Uh, it just It just does, but... I mean, you've heard Matt Olson and Michael Harris. You've heard other guys, you know, talk about 
Ozuna's impact in the clubhouse. And I think maybe that more than anything keeps him around through the rest of this contract. Now, if there's a right deal to be made, you know, I think the Braves have other guys who could step up into that DH role, maybe not to the power level of an Ozuna. You know, you think about maybe plugging Von Grissom in there or you get Travis Darno more at bats there in that DH spot. I think the Braves have guys who could cover it, but again, maybe not to the level that Ozuna could power wise. Um, and you know, with the hot streaks that he has like here lately where he's been basically carrying the offense, but it'll be interesting. I, I don't think the Braves are no, I don't think they're in a situation any longer where they're just desperate to get rid of him. I think that has completely flipped this season. But again, I think if there's a the right move, and there's somebody that's willing to take on that money that maybe frees up the Braves for another move somewhere else where they need an upgrade, uh, I could see them doing it. But again, I no longer think it's a situation where they're just trying to, to get rid of him at all costs. Like it seems like it has been the past couple of years. Nicholas Petrilli says, how much does Bryce Elder remind you of Chris Edlin back, Chris Medlin back in 2013 and how are they different? This is a great call. I haven't thought of this, but uh, you know, both use that sinker a lot. Neither of them throw very hard. They really, you know, focus on movement and, and kind of commanding the edges of the zone. Elder has a better slider. Medlin probably had a little bit better changeup. I think the key difference here is that Elder is a much bigger dude. And so you hope that he holds up a lot better than Chris Medlin did. So I think that'd be one of the key differences there, along with that slider that Elder has. It's been so good for him. But that's a pretty good comp there. I hadn't thought about with Chris Medlin. Zachermania says, how much have Riley and Olsen been affected by the loss of Albies in the batting order? Do you like Karras down at nine? So I don't think Albies coming out of the order has anything really to do with, with the Olsen and, and Riley uh, cooling off a little bit. Um, I do like Harris in the nine hole uh, with the lineup right now. I do think ultimately Harris is the best fit for that two hole, uh, but with the way the lineup is right now and just where certain players are in their career, um, I think Harris may need, you know, another offseason, maybe another year of uh, just maturity. He's still a young kid learning at the big league level, but I think ultimately he is your ideal number two hitter. But for the way things this lineup is right now, I think he's probably a better fit at the nine spot. Uh, Brandon Newman says, with the playoffs coming, do you think there's a possibility Soroka gets called up in September? with Wright to bolster the bullpen, right? I feel like we'll need a, a few starts or maybe they don't call him up at all and focus on next year for him. Other than that, I don't think the team needs too much else. I don't comment a lot, but I listen every day. Well, thanks for the listens every day. I think Kyle Wright's coming back as a starter. Um, I think he is probably going to need at least three more starts at the minor league level. And then I think we see him get a couple more starts. And I think Soroka does get called up. Whatever that date is in mid-September, I think he gets called up, makes a start or two down the stretch. The Braves see what they have with both him and Wright. I think this is an opportunity where if you wanted to skip a guy, maybe you wanted to skip a, a, a Morton or a Strider uh, to give them some rest, getting gearing up for the postseason, I think that's where maybe you could do this and get Soroka and Wright a start or two, see what they look like, and then you can make a decision you know, for the postseason if you want to use one of those guys as a starter or you want to move one of them to the bullpen or, or use them in some sort of long reliever type of role. So I think both of those guys get starts in September. Leland Hurt says, Jake, do you think Freed will be given a contract extension? And do you think the Braves will call up Soroka after his service time is solid and they get another year of his contract? So I just answered the Soroka one. I do think he comes back up in mid-September. 
the free contract extension, I don't think it's going to happen. And I don't think it's necessarily because of the injuries this year. I just think it's injuries to pitchers in general. I've talked about this, you know, a lot this past off season and, and probably the off season before that, when we've discussed a possible contract extension for Max Freed, I just think pitchers extensions are, are way too risky. Um, you see all these pitchers, you know, getting injured and, um, you know, missing years at a time. It's just, it's so risky with pitchers. I, it's just, you invest so much years and money into that. I mean, we're talking 27, 28 million a year for Max Freed. You know, he gets injured again. He's a, another Tommy John. He's out for a year and a half. It's just so risky with starting pitchers and Freed's going to command so much money. Um, you know, unless you're going to get a team friendly deal, which I don't think you are as he is, um, you know, he is the, the player's rep for the Braves, and he's not like, likely to take some sort of team-friendly contract, and nor should he. He has been he has been under, you know, Braves control for a long time. This is a chance for him to get his payday. It just doesn't feel like a deal that Alex Anthopoulos is comfortable doing. So I don't think it happens, but I'd be, you know, happily surprised if it does because I do love Max Freed. I think he's going to be good for a while as long as he's healthy. Landon Davis, does Michael Harris go back to the nine hole for the playoffs? I know Albies will be back, so probably not going to be number two hitter, but he seems to be doing pretty good there. Oh, yes, and we talked about this a little bit earlier as well. My ideal lineup, I have Michael Harris hitting in the nine hole. I just think that's been the best fit for him this year. Kind of takes some of the pressure off of him, and you put him there in front of Acuna. Uh, it just seems like the right spot for Michael Harris is batting down in the bottom of the order there. So that's where... I would put him. So those are all the questions I had written down. Um, trying to go through, see if there's any that I missed. Baltimore Braves fans, what would this year's Braves team need to do the rest of the way to be considered the best Braves team ever? They got to win a World Series. I mean, if they win 100-plus 100, 100 games, they blow through the playoffs and win the World Series, I could easily see this team being considered one of the best of all time. But it really comes down to do they finish it off. Do they seal the deal and get things done at the end? Uh, James Hughes says, with most of the core players locked up, the Braves are set up to be the class of the NL East for the next several years. How how do you see the division playing out over the next decade? Atlanta heavy favorites, closest challenger. Is there a clear bottom dweller? I don't know that there's a clear bottom dweller. I think what the Nats are doing, again, I think they're going to be pretty competitive with this young talent they have coming up in a couple of years. Uh, Marlins have some really good pitching if they ever get enough offense. I mean, you're seeing it this year. They're in postseason contention. So I think they're going to be good for a little while. I think if somebody were going to drop off, it would be the Marlins. I don't know about their longevity because um, I don't think they've done a great job drafting and developing hitters. But, you know, I think at least for the next couple of years, they'll be in contention. Mets are always going to be there because of their payroll, uh, even though I know it didn't work out for them this year. But I actually, you know, like some of the prospects they have and the young players they have coming up once they have that that homegrown talent come up and then they, then they can, you know, add to that with money. That's when I think the Mets are going to take off. The Phillies are obviously going to be really good for a while as well. I think they're one team that possibly could fade because I don't know exactly about their farm system and how good it is. I don't think it's particularly great. And then if when Turner and Harper start to decline, you know, maybe in the next three to four years, I could see them maybe having to go into some sort of a rebuild mode. So, uh, I do think it is going to be a lot of Braves, at least for the next five years. I think they're going to be the pretty heavy favorite, but I still think it's going to be a pretty challenging division. Um, all right, I think that is all on uh, 
on the Twitter side of things. I did ask for questions on uh, YouTube as well. You do not have to submit questions in both places, but if you go to the community tab on YouTube, I did ask for questions there because I had some people tell me that they don't have Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it. So I did ask for some questions there. I'll try to go through those, see if there's any that I missed. Uh, Susan Bus says, every, every day are here. Which teams are you afraid of when it comes to the 2023 playoffs, if any, seeing how dominant the Braves have been this season? Uh, the Dodgers and Phillies scare me the most in the National League just because of how good that Dodgers lineup is. They have some good young pitching. I still think the Braves are deeper than the Dodgers. Phillies are a team that scares me because they have they have pretty solid pitching. Wheeler, Nola, Walker up there, and they have a really good lineup as well now that Trey Turner's going. So those teams definitely give me a little bit of, of scare. In the American League, I, I don't I don't know. Um, I just don't watch enough of American League games, but – you know, the Rangers, Astros, Orioles uh, are all really good teams uh, that I think would put up a good fight. Uh, the Mariners with their pitching staff and how hot they are right now, and they're kind of coming on. Uh, so there's going to be some strong contenders, but I'd say in the National League, Dodgers and Phillies, I think, definitely scare me the most. Jackson Baswell says, now that Otani has an injury with pitching, do you think the Braves might make a push for him to be our DH for the foreseeable future? I do not. I still think he's going to you know, get a pretty good – uh, contract this offseason, even if he is just a hitter. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's still an MVP hitter. Um, so it's still, you know, and still really young. Uh, so I think he's still going to get a, a really good contract. And I don't think the Braves are going to dish that much money out for a DH uh, like they already have for Azuna. Um, Jackson Bally, sorry, I forgot that wrong. Who do you think the Braves' most reliable starter the last two weeks? Who do you think has been the most reliable start of the last two weeks, and who do you think will be the most reliable in a win-or-go-home situation? So got to say Charlie Morton with him limiting the walks and the strikeouts. Uh, he's been really good. I think you could say Spencer Strider as well. But I still think the most reliable starter is Max Freed. Uh, when he is on, and I think he's on more often than not, he's able to you know manipulate the strike zone, keep hitters off balance. So I still like Max Freed in that win-or-go-home situation. Um, Chris Clerk says, every day are here with the season winding down. What does Strider need to do to win the Cy Young? He's got to get that ERA down to 3.3. He basically can't have any more blowups the rest of the way. He's nearly, he's approaching 3.5. He gets under 3.5. And then again, maybe gets it down to that 3.3 area. I think he runs away with the NL Cy Young because everything else is there for him to win it. The strikeouts, the, the FIP, all the other things that, that voters are going to look at the analytics side of things. He's leading in all those categories. He just needs to get that ERA down. So if he can just not have any more blowups, you know, have a lot more six inning, two earned outings, seven inning, one earned type of outings, I think he can do that over, you know, the last four or five starts he has left in this season. Jeffrey Humphreys, what team in LB records are possibly likely to be broken this year by the Braves? Uh, you know, the, uh, the home run record, I think, is the one a lot of people are looking at if they can break that 2019 record by the Twins, which 2019 records, I think, should come with a huge asterisk because of the way baseballs were flying out of the yard that year. But I think that's the one a lot of people are looking at is the single-season home run record. Uh, and then Philip asked for – or I'll get to this one next after the break. We'll talk about Kyle Wright and his great outing on uh, Thursday night. We'll discuss that next.
The Braves will be back in action on Friday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern as they play the Giants catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. Philip Nichols asked on YouTube, update on Kyle Wright. Well, pitched really good on Thursday night. Three innings, one hit, no walks, no earned, four strikeouts, 26 pitches, 23 strikes. So clearly was going out there just trying to fill up the zone work on some things. I mean, he only threw 26 pitches. I got to imagine he was on like a 30, 35 pitch limit and he goes out there and able to get through three innings with that. So look, it was the, the high a level. So not exactly facing the best competition down there, but great to see Kyle Wright filling up the strike zone. I mean, that's typically the one thing you worry about with a guy coming back uh, from being out that long is, you know, where's the command, where's the control of his pitches. So uh, looks like he was able to fill up the strike zone. So, again, we'll see where he goes next. Probably stretch him out more to 40, 45 pitches. Again, I think it's going to take at least four starts before we see him back in the rotation. On Friday night, late Friday night, it's going to be Logan Webb versus Spencer Strider. The Braves were able to get to Webb. They saw him on August 19th. Uh, four earned on nine hits. No walks for Logan Webb. Six strikeouts. Home run and five, uh, five strikeouts in that game. A home run allowed. I thought Logan Webb threw the ball well in that game. Braves just made some great swings on him. So one thing you got to watch with Logan Webb, very much a control pitcher you saw in that game. I mean, he was dotting pitches on the corners. Braves just made good swings on him. But a 61% ground ball rate, so you got to try to find something up in the zone. I feel like the Braves are facing nothing but sinker ballers here lately. So try to get the ball in the air. Uh, and stay out of those double play situations. You get a runner on first who's got some speed. I'd be looking to run in this one. Stay out of those double plays when you're facing the ground ball pitcher. As for Spencer Strider, back-to-back seven-inning scoreless outings. Last one coming against the Giants. Didn't work so well for Winans facing a team, you know, a second time so closely after dominating them. Hopefully it goes a little bit better here for Strider, but you never know how that's going to work when you just dominated a team and you see them, you know, less than two weeks later. Are they going to be more familiar with you? You're going to have to switch things up. Do you stay with what worked the first time? Uh, So we'll see how that works for Strider. Hopefully it works out really well. Control of the heater in the zone, working backwards with the slider. Those have been my keys for Spencer here lately. I think too many teams, too many hitters now are kind of just sitting on that fastball and selling out to hit it. And, you know, any good hitter can time eventually time up even the best of fastballs. So I think working backwards with that slider that is unhittable, if you can control it and command it down and away to righties, get it under the bat of lefties, then I think you work with that a little bit early on and then uh, play the fastball off of that slider. But we'll see what Strider and company go with on Friday night. Hopefully, again, as we talked about, another good outing as he tries to get back in that NL Cy Young conversation. That will be on Friday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern. The Braves and the Giants, Strider versus Webb. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of the Lockdown Braves. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. Make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube. We try to get to 7,000 subscribers there. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Make sure you follow me at ShortstopBall. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 